0: A big welcome back to the Sound Museum, the music podcast that explores that personal connection we all have with the music that we listen to. A big week this week, we are celebrating the 40th anniversary of Culture Club's second album, Color by Numbers. If you haven't checked out our main episode, my best friend Adrian and I we go through track by track. Of color by numbers and heaps more. So if you haven't listened to the podcast episode, make sure you do on your favorite podcast provider. Now Adrian's back for this bonus episode. Hi, Adrian. Hey Leo, and hello to
1: all the Sound Museum listeners.
0: Now we had inklings um, a few months ago that the tour was gonna happen, was gonna happen in September. And I was sort of said to you, look, I'm hoping it's going to be late September because my fiance, Sean and I, we're going to South Africa from late August to like mid, late September. But lo and behold, they toured early September. So I never got the chance to see the band in Australia. And when they went to Singapore for the Grand Prix, we were also in Singapore, but nowhere near where they were performing. So we were on Sentosa Island. They were somewhere else. So I missed them there as well. So this podcast episode is a bit me trying to relive the moments through you and your experiences, because in the last episode, we found out that you first saw the band live in 2000. Um, Do you have a number as to how many shows you've been to since then?
1: Um, with Culture Club shows, I would say including the latest tour, it would probably be at around the sort of 15, 16 mark. Okay. Because how
0: many times have they been here since 2000?
1: Other than the 2000 tour, they did a show in Sydney for New Year's Eve. Yes. In 2011 going into 2012, and that was a one-off show. And then in 2016, once they sort of established their reunion, had toured... I guess the U S and Canada and came out to Australia in 2016. And then also toured a lot of places, you know, in, a, in, and around that time. And their 2016 tour was so successful. They were back six months later. So they toured firstly in June, were back. That's again what I in saw
0: it. Cause Danny Lake supported them, didn't she?
1: Yeah. Danny, yes. was, Danny was on the Melbourne show. Yes. So she wasn't on all of the shows on that first 2016 tour but they had, um, who was it? It was Kids in the Kitchen as their support act. So it was so it was quite the 80s fest. It wasn't the usual sort of venues. They were doing wineries. Well, they had Jupiter's Casino locked in there and I think that one ended up getting canceled. There was a Tasmanian show in there which got canceled because people were just coming to the mainland anyway. And that finished off with one show which wasn't a winery date that was in Melbourne at the Maya Music Bowl and then the following year they toured again here at the end of 2017 which took them to other than the sort of main capital cities it took them to places like newcastle and wollongong and canberra which they hadn't toured before
0: Maybe around that time george was on the voice wasn't it what years was he doing the voice here
1: george's first season on the voice was in 2017 so right. he did he did the voice for four seasons of which the last one was in 2020 and sort of got cut short as the first wave of COVID happened and went back to London. And the last episodes of the voice had him on a giant TV screen, sitting in his chair.
0: Yeah, that was it. very strange
1: times, Leo, very strange.
0: And those times are in the past because they were back here on the Australian tour with Berlin. Now, I've actually interviewed Tui Nunn from Berlin. She's absolutely lovely. But they toured um, Perth, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide and Brisbane. I was looking online and I was looking at the, um, the songs that they performed for the first two shows in Perth and Sydney. After that, the songs were mixed around a bit. And in Melbourne, they performed an extra song called Eyeliner Voodoo. But tell us about your experience following the band around the country on their latest tour.
1: Well, the cat's out of the bag there, Leo, as you said (laughs) it. I did. I mean, so unfortunately you missed all the shows, but I made up for it and I went to all of the shows. <laughs> it was one crazy adventure after the next. For this tour Perth and, with Perth and Adelaide, it was the first time I'd been to either of those cities, having never visited them before. It was great seeing, I guess, how a culture club show works in different venues in different cities. In the past, I've been to um, concerts in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane and then also on that 2017 tour as I mentioned some of the other cities that they went to like Newcastle and Wollongong and Canberra they were the first time I that that was the first time I went to those places as well it was new experiences all around by going to Perth and Adelaide on this tour I would say the Perth audience actually the Adelaide audience as well both of them were really enthusiastic I mean, I might be biased by saying this, but I think the best audience of the tour was the Melbourne one. And I mean, yes, I'm a Melbourne boy, but I think there was just, I think, first of all, it was the biggest venue out of the five dates. The crowd were electric throughout. There wasn't a moment where you turned around and everyone was sitting down. Everyone just had such a good time. And I think that energy played off with the band playing a much more Exciting set and a set that they were enjoying. You know, they were feeding off the energy from the crowd. So they were enjoying giving us that music for the Melbourne show.
0: And I guess we should ask you because this this was the first tour back here without John. And I remember seeing some photos of Meeting Greets from the last tour, I think it was. And John looked really miserable. (laughs) I'm not sure what was going on, but he looked miserable in the photos. How was the dynamic of the band, I guess, without John? And in your opinion, did they get the set list right around the country?
1: Overall, I think they got the set list right. There were things that I would have loved to have seen as a fan who has everything or knows everything. Like, well, I would have loved the war song for starters.
0: I put that on my list here because I, on my notes here, I put here there was nothing from Waking Up with the House on Fire and like the war song, the metal song, and Mistake Number Three. And there's no songs from 2018's Life either.
1: There also weren't anything from the Don't
0: Mind If I Do album as well. Uh, so, yeah, um, I guess they can't play, can't fit everything in, but they did have quite a few covers, so if they didn't have so many covers, they could have at least had maybe two more Culture Club songs. I don't know.
1: See, as much as I love their performances of the covers, when I go to a Culture Club show, I want to see Culture Club. I want to see their songs. I want to hear their songs because that's who I'm going to see. I don't necessarily want to see them doing covers as much. I mean, they're all songs that mean something to George and the band, so you know, the inclusion of having, you know, the Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil, you know, everything I own, you know, that's a George Sola Culture Club have kind of made it one of their live songs, you know, and then you have other covers in there, like Get It On, which is one of George's favourites and I think also one of the band favourites, which, you know, rounds out the show towards the end. For me, my ideal set list would have been a couple more new songs, and also a couple more of the hits and maybe even one or two lesser ones that they don't usually play. Earlier this year, America got Love is Love on their, on a few of their tour dates. I think one or two shows on the US summer tour got Black Money and the war song was one that sort of drifted in and drifted out of sets over the years. And it would have been a great inclusion in, you know, in the Australian dates. One of my favourite songs, which was on the Don't Mind If I Do album, is Your Kisses Are Charity. And I would have loved to have seen that live. And also anything off the Life album, you know, because when Culture Club toured in 2017, a lot of the songs that ended up on Life weren't necessarily in the tour. Some of them were, but not a lot.
0: Obviously, John wasn't in the show. He was, wasn't the drummer. So they had a new drummer. How was the new drummer? And was there any changes with the band since the last time they toured here?
1: There were a few changes, I guess, in the lineup. I mean, it was a slightly smaller band in numbers this time around. I mean, replacing John on drums, at least for as the touring band, is a guy called Jermaine White. Culture Club have always surrounded themselves with amazing musicians, and this tour was no exception. Jermaine is amazing on the drums. Yeah, from a nostalgic point of view or a purist point of view, I would have loved to have seen John there and John with the band. It's not it wasn't meant to be, so therefore it wasn't. I mean, you'd rather get three quarters of Culture Club than no Culture Club at all. That's exactly.
0: You went to all the um, five dates around Australia and each time you had a meet and greet ticket, so you got to meet George.
1: Yeah, the meet and greets were before the show and unlike in previous tours where meet and greets were sort of like a relatively new thing and weren't very well organised, I have to say this time around they were very professional about it. They stuck to sort of the timeframes that were given like in emails and you know notifications earlier on
0: i guess what should should say to the people listening when you buy a meet and greet ticket it can go one or two ways you can either meet them as like a fleeting like few seconds and you get maybe a photograph with other people I had that experience where I went to meet with my best friend Michelle when we went to meet new kids on the block years ago <laughs> that was a bit of a disaster but on the other hand you get meeting greets which um, give you some time you can sign a couple of things and take a picture and have a have a chat maybe ask a couple of questions. what was it like for you as far as the meeting greets going
1: um, well in previous tours as you mentioned with the new kids on the block debacle, the last culture club tour in 2017 had a lot of people getting their photos in groups of something like 10 or 15. And it was with people they didn't even know it was really badly organized. And that's not something you want to pay X hundreds of dollars on top of your ticket for. You want an experience with the artist or with the band that you're seeing. Thankfully this time around, George was very generous with his time, I thought. Any fan that wanted a hug or a kiss, he was obliging. Your meet and greet ticket as such allowed you one photo. But for most of the meet and greets, fans got two or three photos. You know, the photographer kept clicking and basically the best two or three shots of each person got, you know, put into the sort of shared drive that were given to us after the shows. George was very friendly. If you had a conversation or had something to say, he was very attentive, listened a lot and chatted a lot. So I think, yes, the time was fleeting and the meet and greet section probably was about a minute long each time. But you got a lot out of that minute if you approached it well, I guess.
0: And how many people, I mean, how many meet and greet tickets were available for each show? Do you know that?
1: I would estimate at each of the shows, there would have probably been between 100 to 150
0: people. That's quite a lot. Obviously, it's George and Roy and Mikey or just George?
1: It was just George this time around. Okay. The other guys weren't quite as up to doing the whole meet and greet thing as they'd done previously, so... They opted out and it was just George for all the five dates.
0: So I guess we should ask you, what do you guys talk about in your meeting and greets? Because I know that you you mentioned on the main podcast episode, um, you talked about his thoughts or George's thoughts on Colour By Numbers and his favourite track from the album. But what else did he divulge in your conversations on the road?
1: Well, generally, I told him at the first show at Perth that he was going to get sick of me because I was going to all the meet and greets. (laughs) To which he replied with, you better have a different outfit on each time because I want to see what you're wearing. And I said, yeah, of course. So I love that. I mean, I I like designing stuff. So I did already have a wardrobe in mind for, I guess, the five dates. So I've designed t-shirts, you know, with some of his artwork because he does art on the side as well these days as a hobby. I put together a t-shirt. Um, promoting his latest single, which is a duet with um, Vangelis Polidoro, who's his backup singer or one of his backup singers on the tour. And on one of the dates, I wore a replica of the drawing that he has on his tour jacket. So it was quite funny to, you know, walk in and there he was wearing that jacket and there's we- me wearing the t shirt equivalent. It was oh, like were nice. for a Twitter minute. <laughs>
0: And I, I guess where I, cause I was going through all your social media posts and I was just very envious of your time on the road with the band in Melbourne, something very really special happened. I only really met George once and um, I'm going to get a bit emotional here. I met George once and that was a few years ago with our friend, Josh. Josh was a massive fan of culture club and boy, George. Um, sadly, we lost Josh earlier this year to cancer and yeah. I'll always treasure those two photos I got with George and Josh I'm, I'm so pleased I've got that those photographs with him with George and that was downstairs at Channel 10's a project in the Melbourne studios um where he basically and he was lovely. He, he got photographs with everyone. And that was a very fleeting moment for me, me, meeting George. But for you, this time he was on the project as a co-host in Melbourne. And you went go into the audience. And there's a section on the show where they choose someone from the audience to do a live cross during a commercial break. And they chose you And you got to go behind the desk next to George and do some live TV moments. What was that like?
1: Firstly, I do want to touch on the Josh bit. Yeah. Um, So firstly, I mean, as you've brought up, Josh, you know, Josh was also one of my very dear friends and someone that our culture club connection was what got us together. You know, I've met many people over the years because of being a culture club fan and them also being culture club fans. But yeah he was someone who was very dear to me and you know it's sad that he's not around anymore because it would have been lo- it would have been amazing to have shared these tour stories with him and you know got him in on maybe a meet and greet or to the melbourne show
0: he can hear them differently he's around
1: oh, where, where he is he's listening i'm <laughs> sure <Yeah. laughs> but with the project so as you would know from the project, they kind of announced their guests or their upcoming guests kind of like at the last minute. So Culture Club's itinerary was Perth, then Sydney, and that's how my flights were arranged. So I only found out about George being on the project the morning that I was flying to Perth, because I was flying to Perth the day before the concert. So quickly applied for tickets and it was like, if I get a ticket, I'll rearrange my flights and come back to Melbourne for that day to see George on the project and be in the audience. If not, then I'll go to Sydney and just continue the tour like the rest of the band are doing. So I got the email that my tickets were confirmed. So my friend Nat and I, who Nat lives in Perth, so I was staying with her for the Perth show. And we went to all the shows together except the Brisbane one on this tour. You know, I pretty much got there, dropped my luggage, pulled out the laptop and there we were on to You know virgin rearranging our flights to make sure we were in the audience on the day of the project we joked about it and we both said that if they asked us who'd be you know who'd like to do the audience cross in the commercial break she'd nominate me and i'd go yeah okay i'll volunteer i didn't think i'd get on i just thought i'll just put my hand up if it happens it happens if it doesn't well somebody else who's in the audience is also a great fan and they're there for it, that they'll get on. The commercial break comes up and they go, OK, we've got this thing, blah, blah, blah. Who wants to do the audience cross? So I go, you know, sheepishly put my hand up and they just zeroed in on me. It was just like, uh, this is crazy. <laughs> and the next commercial break was where we were doing the live cross. So I get down, they hook my mic up and they're like, right. You're sitting next to George. I'm like, really? <laughs> And, of course, George recognized me from the Perth meet and greet a couple of days earlier, and he's like, um, why aren't you wearing your hat? Channel 10 have very strict security when it comes to what you can take into the studio, and my hat was one of the things that had to be left out in the storage cage and not brought into the table. Sacrilege. I know. It's like, hey, George was wearing a hat. Why can't I? <laughs> <laughs> but so I told him, oh, it's in the cage outside. And he just looked at me like, what do you mean? And a lot oh, security, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so quickly sat next to him. They gave George the camera cue, me the, the cue for which camera I was looking at. And it was like, right, you've got 30 seconds. Adrian, can you read the auto cue? I'm like, yep. So start you know, scanning the words. And they're like, no, no, no. Can you read it out loud? We need to test the mic and make sure we can hear you. So I start reading it, stumble on half the words, and I'm like, oh, no. I had better not flub this up. I'm like, okay, I've got to speak slowly just to make sure I get all the words out. And they're like, right, five, four, three, two, one, go. This is Adrian from our audience. What's coming up, Adrian? Well, coming up, a Rolling Stones exclusive you don't want to miss, plus what fashion faux pas are millennials bringing back? (laughs) And then what you heard on air is exactly how it went because it was live. and. Thankfully, I didn't stuff up on any of the words.
0: <laughs> I mean, reading those auto cues. I remember when I was doing radio here in Melbourne, and sometimes we'd have to record ads and stuff. And if you put something in front of me, like a script, I struggle reading stuff from a queue. If you tell me about what I need to do and what it's about, I can just ad lib. So I find that much easier than Reading from a script. So that's weird. How everyone's different with that.
1: Well, it was my first time looking at an audience, hmm. so I I think I just fluked it. And the, the panel were really lovely. They said that was really good. Maybe they say that to everyone, but it felt special. <laughs> um, and they and they sort of asked the general questions of like, how many times have you seen George live? And I was like, well, you know, not including the two, I said, oh, it's about ten times now that I've seen him live in concert. And I said, "But I've been following this one," and I put my head on George's shoulder. <laughs> and I said, "Hey, it was it was in the moment, and he didn't mind." <laughs> and Aww. I said, "Yeah, but I'm seeing this one the whole time. You know, the whole tour. I'm, you know, I'm doing Perth. I did Perth. I'm doing Sydney tomorrow, Melbourne, then Adelaide, and finally Brisbane." And they were like, "Oh wow, that's dedication." I'm like, "Well, he's worth it, you know." And and he just laughed and said, Hey, you were really good on that. And I'm like, Yeah, thanks. <laughs> he's complimenting me. They got the call that they had to wrap up the commercial break. So it's like, Oh Adrian, can you go back to your seat? I'm like, sure. I said, Thanks no. everyone. <laughs> and I said, And you know, putting my head and um hand on George's shoulder and I said, And I'll see you tomorrow. And that's how and then the crowd were just going nuts chanting my name. It's like my 15 seconds of fame, if you like, it was, it was fun, but it was mental all at
0: once. That's silly, because I remember watching that video from my holidays in South Africa. So I was like, Oh my God, that happened to you. I was so, I was so happy for you. And I'm so pleased that the meeting and greets went so well. And George was so lovely. You also met Roy and uh, Mikey backstage as well. And a few of the band.
1: In between the many meets and greets I asked, um, well, Nat and I asked um, George's personal assistant if there was any chance of getting a photo with Mikey and Roy. So she very kindly said, look, Adelaide's probably the quietest of the dates as far as people going backstage. We'll see if we can organise something for that. And thankfully, um, Tiffany. Hi, Tiffany, if you're listening. um, She came through. She came through with backstage passes. So we were able to go backstage and, you know, talk to Mikey and Roy very briefly. And I also got to talk a bit with Vangelis on that night, as well as um, Roxy, who was the other backing vocalist on one of the other nights. So I got to, I guess, overall see a lot of the band, which I'm very grateful for.
0: I'm so pleased you had a good experience. and. For anyone that had um, seen the concerts around Australia, I heard they were fantastic and they were really on form on stage and Berlin were great as well. So I'm really pleased that you enjoyed the show. Let's move on to, I guess, let's just touch upon this very quickly. Obviously, John left the band in Culture Club. He was allegedly expelled from the band in September 2018 by manager Paul Kimley. And in 2020, it was said that he was taking a break from Culture Club, but the door was always open for him to return. And then he launched legal action against the band. It's all turned a bit nasty, but officially John left the band in May 2021 and he was paid, according to the reports, he was paid an out-of-court settlement before it went to the high court. Is that pretty much, have I got that pretty much right? Do you have anything to add to that?
1: The timeline you have there is pretty sort of spot on. Um, John left the band in August 2018, but it wasn't made official till the 2021 date that you said. As far as I understand it, and I mean, this is mostly going by George's sort of notes and interviews or, you know, relaying of events. Um, From what I understand, John wasn't really enjoying being in Culture Club, so they kind of asked him to leave. When he left, it was just kind of like a done thing of like, okay, well, John's left, let's continue on. John kind of, I guess, by reflection, didn't see it that way and then took it upon himself to go down the legal route to, A, firstly get paid for the tour that... He didn't complete with them, which was 2018's Life Tour to support the Life album. And then, when that didn't sort of work in his favor, his legal team kind of upped it to, well, if John's not allowed back in the band and John's not going to play with the band anymore, he should get paid out, much like a divorce. You know, COVID lockdowns and all of that sort of stuff sort of prolonged the case. And yeah, as. You mentioned there was a resolution to that where there was a payout needed to be given to him back in March this year.
0: John not being in the band was also apparent on the merchandise because it was, in, or the publicity because there was, was obviously just Roy, Mikey and George.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, they're the three original members left. Mm. So I would probably, I mean, with current merchandise as in with recent photos of them, It's understandable that it would just be the three of them because they're the three remaining members, the three founding members still in Culture Club. It is a little strange seeing merchandise with Culture Club with pictures of them from back in the 80s with John sort of photoshopped out or the artwork reflecting that John's no longer in there. And I would assume that that would be for legal reasons that they can't include him in there. I mean, yeah, I don't know what else. We don't but know it, about it, that. I mean, it does look weird him not being in the 80s yeah. lineup photo.
0: Let's move on quickly to George's upcoming biography. Now, he released his first one back in 1995, Take It Like a Man, which was 544 pages. In 2005, he released Straight, picking up where the previous book left, and that was 336 pages. This next one is due on the 14th of November, set as the definitive autobiography called Karma, but it only has 304 pages. So when I was researching this online, Adrian. Will the new book cover everything from the first two books but condense down, or what can we expect from the book? Would he address past scandals or, you know, the prison time, the vocal issues? What do you want from the book?
1: First of all, I hope the font's really, really small so it packs
0: in. <laughs> because I yeah, don't because I, I can't I, see it. My eyesight's crabbing. Because cause, cause
1: I, saw, I, I thought exactly the same thing as you did. It's like, well, how can he pack in... You know, George is in his 60s now. How can he pack in 60 years of life and less pages than he did 25 years ago to take it like a man? I think it's going to cover bits and pieces from throughout his life. I think a lot of it will be, I guess, a reflection on things that he has achieved. Yes, scandals will probably be covered, or at least his experience of it. So things like prison time and all that sort of stuff will probably be addressed but I can't imagine stuff like that being discussed in huge detail. George is in a very different place in life to where he was 40 years ago when Culture Club you know oh, was really? in their hate you know 15 or 20 years ago when straight came out or when take it like a man came out in the 90s. I think it's going to be a sort of update on everything you know, think you know from the past, and kind of an indication of where George is at with life now.
0: Yeah. Obviously, he was a judge here on The Voice, and he's done, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. He also said he lost his mum earlier this year as well. Because losing a mum, I lost my mum in 2018, Um, you lost your dad just last year. So losing a parent is so difficult. So I'm sure George would touch upon that in his book because his mum was so special to him.
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, losing a parent, losing a friend, like we have with Josh, you know, grief comes in many sort of shapes and colors and I guess dealing with that or how you deal with that is also a very interesting chapter in anyone's life. So I can't imagine George with how close he was to his mum not talking about that in, you know, not talking about that in Karma, the upcoming book.
0: So I'm really looking forward to to Karma. So just a reminder, um, George's new book, Karma, is out on the 14th of November. You can pre-order your copy from your favourite online bookstore Okay, Adrian, so we've talked about your experiences with the band around Australia. We've talked about John leaving the band, George's upcoming autobiography. I guess, what is coming up next for Boy George and Culture Club?
1: When I was talking to Vangelis backstage at one of the shows, I can't remember which one it was, he was telling me how when he got back to London that he was going to put the final touches on his album, as in his debut solo album, which George had, has been working on, and it would be on George's record label. So that's probably the first thing to look out for beyond the Karma autobiography. And it has the working title of the drama.
0: So what's he like as an artist, as a singer?
1: He's got a few singles out already over the past couple of years. He's got a great voice and a great pop sensibility. I think the album will be quite interesting.
0: I guess you touched upon in the main episode that there have been a couple of singles released overseas on on soundtracks and stuff. So I guess they're working on new music and they're probably going to be releasing an album probably, maybe, hopefully next year.
1: Fingers crossed for next year. I sort of did the tally in my head of how many new Culture Club songs are out there since, I guess, the Life album And really over the past, you know, four or five years, they've probably performed about 11 or maybe 12 new songs in the live shows. I mean, not all in the one, you know, in the one show or the one shot. So there's probably enough already for an album if they were to commit all of those, you know, to studio recordings and to release it. Of the new songs, I particularly like love one called Letting Things Go, which they showcased in the tour here. That uh, you know, that's quite brilliant. And there's a section in the sort of like the second verse where George and Roy kind of share the lead vocal, which are, which they haven't done that before, really.
0: It's a very different kettle of fish these days releasing music, especially for acts which have had a lot of success, you know, in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. It's it's a lot changed in music. So I don't think with Culture Club that they are after a new audience, they will probably just want to make music for that existing audience or that mature audience. It's hard for any artist, whether it's a new artist or an established artist to release music these days because streaming and, um, and there's not much money to be made in recording music. Hence a lot of bands like culture club tour, because that's where the bread and butter is. I mean, everyone's got to pay the bills and that's, and people like seeing live shows and, you know, so I think moving forward, do you think we, we might not get a full album? We might get singles here and there or an EP perhaps?
1: I mean, I think from a fan point of view, it's important that they release albums. You know, it's one thing to see a song in a show, but you should be able to buy it the next day or stream it mm. and not have to wait, you know, 6, 12, 18, 24 months, however long it's been. Since, you know, some of the songs have, been, have debuted in live shows and haven't shown up anywhere as to what culture clubs market would be. It's a, it's a tough one because as you said, I don't think they would necessarily be catering or need to cater for a new audience. You know, there might be the odd fan, the odd new fan who wasn't around in the eighties or are much younger now, but their core audience is the audience who fell in love with them in 1980-something.
0: Exactly. And I remember when George was on The Voice here in Australia, he was a really popular judge, not only with the contestants but also the audience because George has so much experience as far as the industry goes. He's been through a lot. He's been through the ups and downs. He knows the music industry. He knows behind the scenes and all that. So He's probably got some new fans from shows like The Voice. And in the UK, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. So people know who Boy George is. People know who Culture Club are. Um, and I think any music that they put out would be amazing because people do want to hear new music. I mean, some acts, they they rely maybe too much on their history and their back catalog and they don't move forward. But I think if they're still playing new songs live, at least get them recorded and release them. That would be amazing because people want to hear them. They want that physical product and their fans would be the ones who would buy vinyl, who would buy cassettes, who would buy CDs. So they could do attention and release multiple formats. Oh, and...
1: well, I'd be buying one of everything
0: for sure. <laughs> exactly. Our good friend Andrew, um, yes. who is a massive Kylie fan, um, who does buy, I think, two of everything. So, I mean.
1: Hard yeah. enough for me to keep up with one of everything. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's two of most things.
0: I Any mean... final thoughts on... I guess, the future, um, what the future holds for Culture Club and Boy George.
1: George is such a prolific writer that there are so many things that he's working on at any given time. Like in the past couple of years, he's put out a series of singles under the banner 60 for 60. So okay. when he turns, he said, oh, I'm going to do 60 singles. And that's about 43 or 44 into it. So there's still room for that project to be finished and new music to come out that way. George has enough songs in the sort of recent past couple of years to easily put out one or two solo albums should he see it being the right time to do so. There's stuff, of course, like working with Vangelis. There'd be another Culture Club album, possibly. There's a lot of things George can be doing. So the future could be exciting.
0: Something we haven't touched upon, which he mentioned on the project, was as a possibility next year around Broadway theatre. Did you see that comment? So would it be a case of George appearing on stage with something or is he working on a musical? Is he a producer in a show? What do you think is happening in that space?
1: My understanding of the Broadway discussion is him performing in a show, as in in an established show, so not something he's written. Whether that goes ahead or not, who knows? You know, know, things can be in discussion one day and drop the next. As far as sort of stage performance, he's actually doing a panto in the UK across sort of November, December, January. He's playing Captain Hook in Peter Pan.
0: How cool is that? Because obviously in Australia, we don't get Pantos, but they're huge in the UK, absolutely massive. And I guess here in Australia, we know Pantos of, that's where the cast from Home and Away and Neighbours go during the Christmas break break to the UK to perform on Pantos. So they're huge in the UK. And like we just said before, opens up a whole new audience. For George and Gotcha Club,
1: it would be a very different audience to what George
0: is used to. Yes,
1: you know what? He's got he's got performance or being a performer in his blood. I'm sure he'll excel at that.
0: Yeah, totally, Adrian. That is it for our bonus episode. Firstly, thank you so much for joining me on the main episode where we went through the Color by Numbers album and and that whole era. And for this bonus content episode where you you went through your experience with the band around the country in Australia. So thank you so much for sharing all your insight with us. And I hope, to we can do some more of these in the future because I know there's some heaps of massive Culture Club fans out there.
1: I would love to be back and thank you for the two episodes. Leo, it's been brilliant.
0: If you haven't listened to the podcast, the previous one, the main one, we went through the Colour by Numbers track by track. You can listen to that on your favorite podcast provider. Make sure you also check out our socials this week. Um, We're posting heaps of videos and photos across TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and X. So check that out adrian thank you so much again take care and i will see you next week for another episode of the sound museum
1: hi this is adrian from cyber chameleon and you can find cyber chameleon on the web at cyberchameleon.com, on facebook instagram at cyber underscore chameleon and on twitter or x as we now call it